And thank you, Ali, for bringing the word of the Lord to us today. It's great to, uh, to have that reading uh, in front of us. Uh, we're going to spend some time now uh, reflecting on uh, the work that happened on the Friday just past. We, we just read in the, uh, in the reading that was brought to us uh, from 1 Corinthians there by Ali, uh, it says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. Uh, on Friday, we became like a child uh, to win the children. That's what we did. So we transformed the place, dressed it up. We got dressed up. We had a whole sack of fun in order that the children would hear the good news of Jesus. Right now, what we want to do is I want to become like an adult and tell you what we told the children. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to take some time looking at these symbols that organize the way that we talked about the good news of Jesus with the kids in a way that is relevant for you as adults. So I'm going to ask that God would help us this morning. And today, I want you to hear the good news about Jesus. And just like we challenge the kids, I want you to be challenged to think about where you're up to with Jesus. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this awesome day that just happened uh, with our kids. Uh, we thank you for the good news that is proclaimed there. And we pray that today, that same news might grip our hearts and that by your Holy Spirit, Father, you may use it to change lives here today. But we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, when it comes to uh, thinking about our society and God's place in it, I've been trying to think of the right analogy for this. I've been reading some bits and pieces about culture and about where the Western world is up to. And it's a little bit like our Western world has been shaped by God, like a volcano, like an active volcano. God has shaped the whole landscape of Western culture. Our morals, our structures, even our thought patterns are shaped by God and by the Bible. However, today, today, we see the landscape that's shaped by God, but for many, many people, all that activity of God is gone. And so it's a bit like uh, my picture up here of this, uh, this magnificent former volcano. What is it today? Well, it's a wonderful lake in a mountain. It's absolutely dormant. The shape is there, but there's no energy. I think that's a lot like our Western culture today. Lots of shaping but not very much in many people's mind, the energy of God. So what we want to do today is we want to think about what would happen if we considered the place of God in our Western culture. And uh, I still find this shaping still happens. It's there. People, if I ask people, I'll say, oh, have you got a Bible in your home, right? And inevitably people will go, ah, uh, yeah, I think so. And I think it probably looks a little bit like this. Except no one's even taken it out to write, read me in the dust on it. It's just been sitting there on the shelf. A dusty Bible somewhere in your house would be almost a default, I think, for a lot of people. In fact, many of you might remember even back to the Bicentenary. Does anyone remember that? Where they actually delivered a Bible to every home in Australia. Does anyone remember when that happened? No, just me. Good. Okay, that's all right. That happened. So every house in Australia, at least at that point, had a Bible because we, we gave them one. What I want to do is find that if you open the Bible, if you blow the dust off the Bible, you actually find something quite surprising. The God who really is there is making an invitation to you through his word. And so the kids we told uh, on Friday 
were invited to sign up to Jesus' team. So we went with a whole World Cup theme. You might be wondering what I'm standing underneath. This is a goal, yes? Uh, so that's what's happening. Not a fishing net. We haven't lost the fish. Uh, the flags are nations, at least mostly, nations that were in the World Cup. And the idea was basically to tell the kids, come and celebrate, be on God's team, was kind of what was going on, okay? And so that was the invitation there. I think for many people that's quite surprising. And as we blow the dust off our Bibles, for each of these symbols, I want to have a look at some part of the Bible that points us to the message to the God who stands behind it. And so you might not know, or you may know and love these words from Jesus. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Now, for some of you, it's school holidays, and that's exactly what you need, isn't it? Give me rest. But you actually want rest from the kids. We took them off, yeah, for a day. Uh, but anyway... For many of you who have not got little kids, school holidays are basically irrelevant, so you don't even know when they're on. Is that right, some of you? The only reason that you notice that school holidays are on is because your commute or your travel is a little bit easier. Is that right? It's about right. Nonetheless, kids, not kids, do we know anything about weariness? Yes, we all know about weariness. And so here's Jesus offering an invitation. He's saying, I love you. Come all you who are weary of religion, weary of bearing the burden of religion. Come to me and I'll give you rest. There's an invitation from the God who is really there. The reading from Isaiah, which Isaiah lived 700 years before Jesus. In Isaiah, he offers an invitation too. He speaks on God's behalf when he says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. The God who is there is offering you an invitation. He's inviting you to him to be free to see and to find rest. In each of these symbols, what I want to do is I want to think what would happen if that volcano was active. I don't know if you guys have noticed that in um, Hawaii recently there's been a really active volcano. Have you been following that? And when the lava flows, it's unstoppable. Okay, It's absolutely unstoppable. It'll destroy everything man-made. And then the incredible bit is when it eventually gets to the ocean, it hits into the water and it starts making new land. It'll destroy everything man-made and it'll create new land. And what I want to suggest to you today as we engage with the living God who's really there, he wants to sweep away all the stuff we've got wrong and he wants to make new today. He wants to put in place new things. And so what barriers are broken when we know that the God of the Bible is inviting us to relationship with him? Well, we just sang it beautifully in, in one of our songs just recently. I want you to know God isn't against you. God isn't against you. I might have said this before, but I've actually had a friend come to church, uh, not a regular churchgoer, and I had to put my arm around him as he walked in and say, hey, mate, the roof won't fall on you, but if it does, we'll die together. Is that okay? He, he, he was so far away from God, so far thinking that God was against him, that he was worried about walking into a church. I want you to know today, God is not against you. He is for you and he's inviting you into relationship with him. Well, that's a good start, isn't it? I want you to imagine that um, somehow, wonderfully, 
uh, you just inherited the house. Isn't this great? A little house just like this one. Okay? Sure, it could do with a little bit of touch-up on the roof, but you just got a house. Isn't that exciting? Very exciting. I can tell you're really getting the vibe with this illustration. Okay, so you got a house. Fantastic. You walk in, and as you walk around, if you start thinking, I'm not sure everything's 100%. It looks great on the outside. I'm not sure everything's 100%. And then, then you start knocking on the, the, the woodwork, and all of a sudden you find out this. Does anyone know what that is? Termites. Does anyone know about termites from personal experience in their house previously? Anyone? Yeah, show of hands. Okay, some of you have. Okay. It's not good, is it? Everything looks great on the outside, but eating away on the inside is something that's removing the value of the whole thing. Because if that structure is undermined, shot through with ants, then the whole thing is not worth anything. So there's a hidden problem. And the Bible actually says we have a hidden problem. God loves you. He's for you. But there's a problem when it comes to us engaging with him. And it's on the inside. And in many ways, it's invisible. It says in the Bible, in Ecclesiastes, book in the Old Testament, in Ecclesiastes 7.20, it says, There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. And all the women say, that's true. Is that right? course there's not a righteous man on the earth that's right what we we did with the kids we're trying to tell the kids about sin and if i say to the kids kids are you perfect guess what the kids will say yes right so it's it's a trap for rookies when they're doing kids work right you say a question and the kids will work out what the wrong answer is and they'll throw that back to you just it's a trap so what we said was hey kids do you have a brother or a sister who's perfect Do you have a best friend who never lies? Do you know someone in your family who's utterly good all the time? What do the kids say? No, because they know that. They know that the other people do the wrong thing, right? They know other people around them, they definitely sin. Then you introduce the little bit. You're somebody else's other person. Do, Do you see this? I see everyone around me sins. That's right. And somebody has you in that equation of everyone who sins. Do do you see how this works? And so all of a sudden, when I say to you, do you know anyone who lives perfectly? And you go, no. Well, do you know that includes you? Do you see? And we're excellent. Whoever we are, we are excellent. We're trained at seeing the sins in other people, aren't we? And they may even infuriate us, don't they? But we're often blind to ourselves. And all I would say to you is, just as readily as you see them in others, others see them in you. The Bible tells us that there are none of us without sin, that we are shot through on the inside with sin. And the problem with that has to do with the one who we've sinned against. We sin against one another, but we sin against the holy and mighty God. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 18.4, For every living soul belongs to me. This is God. The father as well as the son and the daughter and the mother, both alike belong to me. The soul who sins is the one who will die. So God says we sin and we deserve death. He's invited us, but we are shot through. There is a problem inside us that must be solved before we can respond to God's invitation. 
So what's the barrier? What's the barrier that needs to be broken if we understand this? Well, we need to know that you aren't all good. You know, people say, how are you doing? All good, thanks. Anyone know this? Everyone heard this? I'm all good, thanks. Just let you in a little secret. No one is all good. In fact, the Bible says each one of us has sinned. None of us are all good. And here's the little thing. I reckon you already knew this. If you're honest with yourself, you already knew this. I'm not all good. I don't even live up to my own standards, let alone those of a holy God. And it's more than just awkward. It puts us as enemies of God facing his wrath. Well, if you've been around church for a little while, you know where we're going, don't you? Yellow one, sign up to God's team. This one here, sin, stops us being part of God's family. Where are we heading? We're going to this one, aren't we? To the cross. Can you see that one? I'm obscuring it. That's probably not good theologically, is it really? I'm going to move it across over here a little bit. The preacher's obscuring the cross. That's probably not ideal. Uh, So we'll put this one here so you can all see it. We're we're going to get to the cross. And I want you to think about the cross in a a particular way. Um, Has anyone got a weather app on their phone? Seriously, who doesn't love their weather app? Yes? Fantastic. I can wake up and know how cold I'm going to be today. I can get an indication of the fact that it won't rain in Oran Park. That's pretty much a standard thing. But one of the things I like, I'm actually signed up for little alerts on my phone, and it'll tell me, it'll tell me when there's a severe weather warning. Has anyone got these ones coming through? Severe weather warning. I love them, right? Damaging winds, hail. You know, it's apocalyptic. You get a little, little alert to pop up, and you think, wow, how exciting. It's going to be apocalyptic this afternoon. How great. But inevitably, almost every single time, do you know what happens? Severe weather alert cancelled. I'm like, oh, come on, I'm, I'm ready for a severe weather event. But almost every time they're cancelled. Now, if you have a severe weather event cancelled, how do you feel? Well, I feel a little bit sad, but generally we should be happy, shouldn't we? Because destruction has been averted. There are some times, however, when we get a cancellation that's not fun at all. Has anyone had one of these cancellations? So you're at the airport, you've really got to get a flight, and all of a sudden it comes up cancelled. Has anyone had this happen? Not happy feelings, right? Not happy feelings. One of them, weather alert, cancelled, happy feelings. This one, not happy feelings. There's another one, though, that I can guarantee every person would be delighted about. It's to do with debt. Imagine your credit card bill. No, I'm just imagining your credit card bill. I don't know what your credit card bill is, but imagine your credit card bill. Some of you are thinking, yes, I know it. Imagine... Imagine somebody came up to you and said, your credit card bill is cancelled. Now, I've just got told that this is the American spelling of cancelled. If that's causing anyone to stumble, please be released. Is that, is that okay? I just found the word cancelled, put it up there because it looked like a stamp. Okay, cancelled. So just be free. If you need to write me a Karen Connect card, I saw that it was misspelled. That's good. Please write that. Okay, right, we're all done on that. Come back to me. Your credit card has been cancelled. Okay. Your credit card, what does that feel like? Or imagine it was your mortgage. Someone comes up and goes, cancelled, debt paid, no more mortgage. How do you feel? All of a sudden, there's singing and dancing in church, isn't there? 
That's amazing. Our debts have been cancelled. Well, brothers and sisters, much better than your credit card, even though that immediately makes sense. Much better than your mortgage. The Bible tells us that God has cancelled the debt of our sin. Our sin. And it says it this in 1 Peter 3.18. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive by the Spirit. How does Jesus' death work? Well, I sin and I deserve death. Jesus never sinned, so he never deserved death. And yet on the cross, what we're told is God takes our sin and lays it on his son who dies in our place for our sin. That's how the debt is paid. A death occurs for your sin, for my sin. Jesus dies on our behalf. Debt paid. You know why he did it? John 3.16 tells us, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. They're beautiful words, aren't they? They're beautiful words. And so what's, what's the barrier that's broken if we know that our debt is cancelled? Well, that means that Jesus' life isn't just a random piece of ancient history. Incidentally, he really did live. It's unavoidable. The history is in. Jesus lived. But it's not just ancient history. It's a game changer for today for you. Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection can guarantee you that your debt has been paid. That your debt has been paid. And I, I said to the 845 guys, ironically, the best news in the world is treated a bit more... Uh-huh. Then if someone told you your mortgage was paid, somewhere eventually you may be able to pay off your mortgage. That's true. That's at least possible. The bank thinks so, at least anyway. There is no way to pay off the debt of your sin except through Jesus. We should rejoice. It's pretty good. More than just forgiving our sins, so that we know that the debt is cancelled God actually says that he's going to make us new from the inside out. He's going to renovate us. Uh, imagine all those, those shot-through timbers being replaced with, uh, what do we do these days? Steel frames, yeah? Chew on that, termites. Okay. So God's saying he's going to come and make us new from the inside out. He's going to renovate us from the inside out. He's going to wash us clean. And so he told the kids, God wants to wash you clean on the inside to give you a fresh start with him. Well, where would we find that uh, in the Bible? Uh, our favorite verse, the one that kind of sits behind the name of this church. Our church is called New Life for this reason. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. New life is on offer from God. Not only does he invite you, he overcomes your sin through his son. He will wash you clean and give you a fresh start, a new life. That's not available anywhere else. Go up to the council to pay your bills. That's fine. Go next door to borrow a book. That's fine. Go up to Woolies to get a packet of chips. Whatever it is, you can get those things in Oran Park. There's only two places in Oran Park you can find this. The Refuge Baptist Church over there. Good on them. And right here, you can find the cancellation of your sin and the offer of a fresh start with God. That's good news. And this water, it says in 1 Peter 3.21, 
symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, the water of baptism comes on the outside, but it symbolizes an inward washing that God will do to all who will trust in him. It's pretty good news. So why does that matter? What's the barrier that gets broken if we know that this is true? I think it says something about you and your value. You are not spoilt goods. You are not unforgivable. You are not unlovable. The God of the universe says that he will wash you and restore you and call you his children. That is incredibly precious. It means you are incredibly valuable. He will wash. He will restore. He loves. Have you had this um, moment where you um, give a present to the kids? A a present like this. Uh, What's that? It's a uh, motorized action monster truck. Of course. Good for girls. That's humour. Bear with me. You're working with me? Good. Okay, great. So you give, you give this to your little girl, and she rips it open. She's really excited about it. And then she goes to pull out the monster truck. What has to happen first? Has... Tash, right there. This is it. This is it. If you've not done this recently, right, you give the kid a present. They can get the wrapping paper off. No problems at all. And then they try and separate the object from the packaging. And they've got these infernal little ties. Has anyone done this recently? Seriously, it is absolutely infuriating. So you go, oh, hang on. And then you get the bolt cutters out. And you cut one there and you think, I've got it. Oh, no, there's another one under here. Anyway, you eventually get it out, right? You got it out. And now the kid's holding up in triumph the monster truck. And then they're about to start using it. And battery's not included. It looks like it's a brilliant gift. It's ready to go, except there's no life, no energy. It's not going to work. Sadness, lots of sadness. Uh, For some people, we might think, oh, well, great. Jesus has cancelled my debt. He's washed me clean. And now he's just going to kick me out and say, all right, off you go, champ. Go figure out life. It's all yours now. I reset the ledger. Go do your own thing. But it's not what happens. That isn't what God does. It says in uh, Romans 15, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, God just doesn't give us a bit of a prompt at the back and say, I hope you live a better life. He says, no, no, I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit who will empower you to make godly choices will work holiness inside you and empower you to run the race to the very end. John puts it even more beautifully uh, from Jesus' lips in this way in John 14, 26. But the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I have said to you. See, Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you on your own. I'm not going to just save you. I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. I will come to you. I will be your counsellor. I will remind you, empower you, strengthen you. This is a beautiful message, isn't it? 
It's a beautiful message. God says, you're my child and I'll never leave you. I will live within you. Praise God for that. So what's the barrier that's broken here? Well, some of us can think that religion is a thing we do on Sunday. It's just a religious thing. We observe it on Sunday. This says, no, no, no. God wants to be in you, have an impact for every day. Every day. He will help you on Monday morning when the alarm goes off. He will help you while you sit in the traffic. He'll help you while you weed your garden. He'll help you while you love your neighbor. Because he's with you. And he will empower you. For some people, God is the dormant volcano in the background to Western civilization. Maybe it's even pretty to look at the mountain. But there's no life there, they say. For some, they think, I'm so good, I don't need this harsh God. I don't need a harsh God. I'm so good, I don't need God. I've got this covered. Some people around us feel so crushed by their insecurities, their lack of worth, that they think the people who did all this wrong to me, God should punish them right now. Is God too soft? In either case, an absent God is the problem. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you God isn't absent. He is living and active. He is alive today. And the picture is not one of dormant volcano. The living God is active and present in this world. If, you won't, if you'll ignore him, he'll, you'll meet him. You will meet him. I love this awesome picture of the volcano uh, from Iceland uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, apparently, because of all the way everything gets stir, uh, stirred up, there's actually lightning in the smoke coming up. Anyway, it's amazing, isn't it? The living God, whatever a picture of volcanoes are, the living God is more awesome than that, and he's more real than that, and he is more alive than that, whether we choose to see him or not. God is the loving creator who calls you to repent of your sins, to trust in his son and be renewed by his Holy Spirit so that you can live life to the full, starting now and continuing forever. So how do you sign up? Remember back over here, God was inviting you to be part of his team? How do you sign up to be part of God's team? Maybe the answer is you just fill in the Karen Connect card. Yeah? God, I'd like to be on your team. We mail it up to God for you as the staff team, and it all gets sorted out. Does that sound right? Of course not. What, what do we say to the kids? Well, here's the thing. You can become part of God's team by talking to him. This is what it says in Romans 10, 9 to 10. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And I want to tell you this, guys. It's simple, but it's not simplistic. It's simple, but it's not simplistic. So when we say have the faith of a child, I'm not saying to you as adults, become childish. No. I'm saying have the trust of a child in the goodness of God. And if you do that, it's relatively simple and straightforward to join his team. We tell the kids that we want to tell them, we want them to say thank you, to say sorry, and to say please. Yes, we want them to say their manners, but it's part of a prayer. We want them to say thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for their sins. I'm sorry for my sins. I know that I've hurt you and others, God. 
Please forgive me and come into my life as king. Now, guys, in a moment, I'm going to ask you if you'll pray that prayer with me. But I want you to know that on Friday, Michael and I sat down here, right here, with two children. And we led them in a prayer where they made the decision to say, Jesus will be my king today. And I want to tell you today, the same opportunity is open for all of you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray through this prayer. I'm going to pray a line and I'll leave an opportunity for you to repeat it. And because we're Australians, I don't expect any of you to say it out loud. But if you say it in your heart and you mean it, God will hear and he will forgive. So let's close our eyes and we'll pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I'm sorry for my sins. I know that I've hurt you and others. Please forgive me and come into my life as king. Amen. Seems simple, doesn't it? But if you prayed that prayer today and you mean it, God hears that debt is forgiven and you have joined his team. Incidentally, we would love to know, so please write it on your Karen Kennett card. I prayed that prayer today because we'd love to help you as you run that race. But I'm guessing today many of you have signed up already, yeah? Maybe you signed up when you were this high as a kid. Maybe you did it as an adult, but you've already signed up. You're on God's team. What if I'm already on God's team? Relevant message. No. Did you hear what was read for us before? In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul wrote this, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, he says in verse 23, that I may share in its blessings. See, here's the thing. What if you knew the place you could get your mortgage cancelled? Would you keep that to yourself? And if you did, what sort of friend would you be? I love watching my friends make unnecessary mortgage payments. Really, it just makes me so happy. Doesn't sound right, does it? No one would rejoice in somebody else bearing a burden they don't have to bear. Brothers and sisters, if you know this truth, you should not keep it to yourself. We should be those who give the message of new life, surely. See, here's the thing. The landscape around us was formed by the living God. He continues to shape and create it, and life to the full is on offer. Today, I hope some of you have received it for the first time, and I hope a whole bunch of you have been renewed in your passion to help others see it. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the great good news of Jesus. I thank you for the kids who received it the other day. Pray for those who've made that decision today. Pray for those of us who've made it many years ago that we might be renewed about the energy and invitation that you hold out to the whole world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.